Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay your bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over 20 years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets that I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know and have been around for centuries. Pre-retirement is plan retirement early so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it. I am getting some amazing people to come and share with you their points of of view. And today, I'm so honored to have George and Sedina together with me on this show. And they are the co-authors of Do Not Go Quietly, a guide to living consciously and aging wisely for people who weren't born yesterday. Great title. And they're the leading advocates of us who are seeing aging as an opportunity, not a liability. These two accomplished authors, world-class consultants, keynote speakers, and co-founders of Age Nation, a digital media company and social enterprise, as well as the Age of Empowerment, a 5013C focused on supporting vulnerable sections of our aging population. Together, they've been known as the leading experts on individual, organizational, and societal change with outstanding track records serving hundreds and thousands of individuals and many of the world's leading organizations in both the private and public sectors, including Boeing, NASA, Sun Microsystems, the Disney Company, Oracle, Pepsi, LA Times, U.S. Navy, and more. George and Sedina have appeared on hundreds of television and radio programs during their two national book tours. I am so honored to have you both with me today. Well, we're honored to be here. Thank you. Very nice to be with you, Chris. Very nice indeed. I really, really like the title of your book, and um, Living Consciously and Aging Wisely for People Who Weren't Born Yesterday. Do not go quietly. That is awesome. That is way cool. Why did you write this book? What what's what got you going on that? Well, it had to be written. Actually, you know, we're we're living in a time where um, uh, elders are being uh, misunderstood, marginalized, uh, and uh, um, the the world is frankly just not ready for this enormous demographic revolution that is underway in every industrialized country on the planet. That will eventually see approximately 50% of our population, 50 and over, uh, for the first time in history. Um, government isn't ready, institutions aren't ready, businesses aren't ready, and unfortunately, many of us aren't ready. Um, so um, that's the kind of the global reason for the motivation. And, and then we also have a, a very personal reason. There, there was quite a few things that led up to this. Uh, including both of us going through the passage of uh, both sets of our parents and their latter part, latter uh, times in their lives, and it seems that both George's um, George's parents and my dad both had all had Alzheimer's. So we just we were confronted with the just disrepair of our health and life care systems, and got very frustrated by the whole thing. And um, we already had a company, Age Nation, and we decided, well, this is going to be the work of our, you know, for our second half of life, is um, finding ways to create solutions for people in the second half of life so we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Uh, so we have some sort of a blueprint, similar to what you're doing with Chris for ready for pre-retirement, just giving solutions to people so they don't have to keep, you know, ferreting it out on their own because we're all in this together. You know, this right. is uh, 
uh, an amazing time of life if we if we choose to look at it that way. Exactly, and you know you're so right. It's really the same inspiration that that got me going. I mean, I've been in practice for over 22 years, but it really didn't become reality till my mom got cancer and mm-hmm. had to go through that for 10 years. And you know the you know the cost. The chemo was ninety thousand for five days. Oh God. And then she had it for a year, and so and the copay is twenty percent of that. I mean, it's just insanity. And and then our parents' generation were in the mindset of like, oh well, I'll never go to a nursing home, right? So they don't have uh-huh. their long-term care or paperwork. It's just a nightmare, let alone the consciousness. So you know, you know, in in your book, I really like you know for people that weren't born yesterday. And and that's your subtitle. But why is it that you included that phrase in in your book title? Well, <clears throat> we we found um, that uh, some people uh, uh, respond favorably, and others abhor the title seniors. Some people uh, right. <laughs> uh, really celebrate the title of elders. Some people hate the word. They they look on it as a pejorative instead of as an honoring. So rather than elders or olders or seniors or grays or anything else, we wanted to find a phrase that um, would make people smile, would be complimentary, would give them uh, a sense, you know, when you're not born yesterday, it means you've got some experience under your belt, you've got some wisdom, you're not uh, taken advantage easily. So uh, we find that it's a phrase that people simply like. You know? Yeah, I really like it. I think it's great, and and it shows people have some little bit of wisdom under their belt. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's nice to have a little tongue in cheek in there. And and the truth is that we weren't born yesterday. We're the people of uh, our generation. Anybody forty and above, or I'd say forty five and above, has either been a part of, a witness to, or you know, real activist in one of our uh, social or cultural revolutions that have changed everything, you know, civil rights, human rights, women's rights, nuclear disarmament, animal rights, <laughs> gay rights, it goes Every on and on. And uh, we're, we're, not, we're not people that are going to sit back, we don't believe, and allow those that are much younger than us, and as George says, with maybe not as much intelligence as we have, <laughs> to determine our welfare, you know, and the way we're going to live out the rest of our lives. Right. Well, there is there is a revolution, I believe, going on. It's a spiritual revolution, but it's affecting every level. And mm-hmm. I'm really seeing people, when they get to their 40s and 50s, just decide they're recreating themselves. They're leaving their 8 to 5. They're becoming entrepreneurs and living mm-hmm. their passion and their dreams. And it's really a huge movement. And it's, it's exciting. You know, you talk about the, the demographic revolution, and mm-hmm. and and why is it? Why why should people pay attention to that? Well, because it's uh, it is already, and it will in the future, to an even greater extent, uh, impact every aspect of life. You know, social, political, cultural, economic, ecological. Um, I mean, um, you know, here in the U.S., we're talking about numbers. Uh, 150 million or more, which would be half of our population, uh, 50 and over. So it's kind of like uh, the bow of a branch uh, with a lot of weight at the end of the branch, and it strains and and puts enormous uh, uh, influence on the entire tree. Um, And um, so... Uh, when we listen to the nonsense that goes on as political de- debate in Washington these days, uh, right. nobody is really addressing that. You know, they're they're focused on the ridiculousness of budget austerity instead of budget responsibility and fiscal right. responsibility, and they're not talking about the kinds of investments that need to be made. So um, they're they're putting their head in the sand and pretending that. Uh, these numbers aren't going to have any impact. And right. you think of 150 million here in the U.S., think of China, you know, uh, 3 billion uh, population, 50% of which uh, will be 50 and over. We're talking about a billion and a half people. So worldwide, the impact is extraordinary, and it's in little ways as well as big ways. You know, it's, 
Think about the average airport in the United States, for an example, mm-hmm. how uh, the lines waiting to go through security and the length of terminals and the right. time it takes to board and, and disembark from planes. Now, right. increase the number of people in wheelchairs substantially, the number of people who have limited mobility and all the rest of it, and suddenly you have an airport system that largely is out of date uh, and not capable of functioning well. And you can translate that into housing and businesses mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. So the impact is enormous, Chris. Just really? In- and it's happening for the first time in history. We, this is totally new territory that none of us are really very familiar with on every level, as George said, economic, social, political, cultural. It's it's going to impact us. And so what we're doing with this book is, is it's, it's really a clarion call, you know, to live more consciously. That's why we chose Do Not Go Quietly as the title, although, you know, it's a phrase um, – Anyway, read the book to, to find out all of that. But it's we're using this as, as a way of waking up and awakening to our time of uh, real enhancement if we choose to have it. We've taken everything from our past, everything we've garnered to this point in our in our existence, whatever age we are. It's, think of how juicy that is as opposed to being young and not knowing where the heck you're going. Not that being young isn't wonderful. It's just this is a time of real richness, and uh, it's just our choice again as to how we're going to use it and how we're going to share it with others and create a new world of um, honoring our elders, honoring this time of life as the indigenous people do. Yeah, that is that is so awesome. And so it really is, and it is a new trend. Um, I'm finding a lot of people are, you know, changing their whole mindset. It is it's, it is a revolution, and I, I'm fascinated. You you share some startling numbers in your in your first few chapters. Maybe you could talk to us about them and what they mean. Well, there there are there are startling numbers. Some of them, you know, uh, one person every seven seconds joins this fifty and over crowd. Ten thousand people wow. uh, retire every day. Um, uh, actually, the numbers have changed since we wrote the book. In the book, it says one person every 72 seconds is diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's. Uh, today, uh, the Alzheimer's Association reports that uh, one person every 68 seconds develops mm-hmm. some level of Alzheimer's. Wow. The other fact that is really pretty startling and and challenging, and you know it well, you know, from the standpoint of your the financial guidance and support you give people. Today, especially after this last financial downsizing that we've all been through, um, only one out of every eight or nine people who uh, are of the age to retire can retire and right. provide themselves with some sort of uh, even modest uh, quality of life uh, for the duration because with longevity statistics increasing, um, many people are going to live longer after the traditional retirement age than the number of years that they spent working at a particular career or, or uh, profession. You know, So uh, these are astounding numbers. And uh, when, again, when folks in state and uh, city and national capitals around the world try to squeeze these numbers into some sort of a balance sheet, um, they forget that what we're talking about is human beings and the cost to human beings. As you mentioned with your mom, you know, you, uh, the, the enormous cost of mm-hmm. health care issues, uh, the, uh, even when you've got coverage, the amount of co-pays and additional right. payments that are obligated. In, in our case, um, my mother and father, we promised them that we would keep them in their home uh, right. in the latter stages of their lives. And at one point, uh, the cost was almost twelve or thirteen thousand dollars a month to keep them right. in their home with full-time care. Uh, yes. Most of us can't afford that uh, on any level, um, and uh, so we need to change all that. Right, and it doesn't just affect us; it also affects 
it also affects, uh, you know, younger people. There's something like 3 million teenagers who are the sole care providers for their parents or grandparents with Alzheimer's. So everybody is in on this. Nobody, <laughs> nobody gets away from it. And the truth is if you're two years old and your parents are conscious, you're going to age consciously. So we're all aging, no matter what age we are, and we this is our earth. This is our our home here, and we just feel that particularly those of us in the second half of life have an obligation. We also, another figure is we, we control 80% of the nation's financial assets, so it's time for us to coalesce that power and energy and help protect our earth for future generations so that we can live here with some sort of ease and and really appreciate what the earth has given us. But, you know, we're really on a downhill slide with that. And that's up to us as well, we feel. Absolutely. And and there is there is a separation happening. There's a lot of people that could care less, and there's people that, mm-hmm. that are saying, we do care, we want to see a change. And, you know, what you're talking about, that long-term care, People don't, just when you're younger, you just don't get that you're going to get old and your body's like a car and it wears out and you need right. seven, out, seven out of ten of us over 65 end up in a convalescent care. Right. I had the same kind of parent situation as you do with, the, you know, don't take your parents to a nursing home. That's like their biggest request. And my mom's care was 15000 a month. Mm-hmm. And um, right now my dad's. Ninety-three and a half, and his is seven thousand wow. a year. I made a deal too on that, so you know that's why you know what I my, what I talk about just really works with what you're talking about because mm-hmm. you know, when people get that and they set their they get long-term care and they set their assets in places where they don't lose their principal, then they're going to be able to retire. But uh, you know as well as I do, um, I'm sure you've heard the statistic. I think it's two years from now. There'll be so many boomers reaching Medicare, going in, you know, reaching uh-huh. into Medicare that that's really the next one of the biggest cliffs that they're not even talking about, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, ten thousand boomers retire daily right now, or over that amount now. Well, and yeah. the truth, Chris, I think, you know, um, there are a lot of people who have uh, uh, told all kinds of uh, stories about single-payer systems and all the rest of it. The writing is on the wall, you know. Um, Either we are going to have a huge number of human beings in America suffering terribly uh, under abject conditions that none of us would contemplate or want another human being to experience, or we're going to recognize that uh, our health care system has to be changed. It's just, it's not even a question. It's kind of right. like, do we need to do something about uh, climate change? Do we need to do something about uh, the demographic revolution? You bet. And we need to do something about health care. And that's not socialism. It's not nonsense. It's just plain truth that um, with 150 million Americans, uh, in a position to require or need uh, support of uh, health insurance, our current uh, grossly profit-driven health care industry uh, cannot survive. And they know it. You know, right. in the health care environment, there's a thing called object risk. One of the reasons that many insurance companies and vertical health care companies today are beginning to talk about preventative care and encourage people to diet and exercise and whatnot is if we go back to that analogy of the the limb or the bough of a tree, um, when all of that weight is at the end, there's not enough money in the insurance industry to pay for rising health care costs of 150 million people. Right, exactly. And, and and don't you find it it's fascinating but it's also, you know, prophesized but you know, you the government and the institutions and 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 nobody wants to talk about it. They don't talk about it on the media. They don't, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like that they're hiding it. Why why do you think that, that nobody's talking about this really? They're not willing to face the the solutions, the conclusions that they need to face. Um, they look at it as hard work, which it is. More than hard work, they recognize that in order to do what we need to do, 
We have to redefine priorities. We have to change some fundamental values. We have to begin to uh, re-identify what life is and what what our responsibilities to each other are. And that means a, a shift from this egregious, greed-driven, profit-driven right. structure that has right. come into place over the last 30 years and right. return to some level of sanity. So <laughs> when you're smart enough to be gaming the system and you look at the challenges and know the only way we resolve those challenges is by changing the system, of course you avoid it. You want to grab the money and run while you can, mm-hmm. leaving you know the the future to other people and other problems. Uh, where the heck did we go from the indigenous belief system that every action needed to be viewed uh, from the standpoint of its impact for seven generations? Right. Today, people can't barely think beyond tomorrow. Right. Yeah. But you know, it's the old uh, adage that. Anything that you don't take care of now, I know in my life this is part of something, one of the chapters in our book is dealing with incompletes. And if there's something that's incomplete in my life, something that I haven't taken care of, I haven't been responsible for, it's going to come up. And it's also going to be energy that's dragging me down, which is what I feel is happening with our earth right now, where where our earth is just encumbered with so much pollution, so much that we have put out, but we've never taken the responsibility for where is it going? Right. You know? It's going to go yeah. up in the atmosphere. It's still our atmosphere. It's just a whole mindset of taking responsibility now for something that is right in front of us so that it doesn't come up later and, right. you know, and, and someone else, our children, have to deal with it. It's, it's, they're here. It is. Yeah. And it's a, like a disconnect that's now time to reconnect because, mm-hmm. the, the um, like you were saying, the, the obsession with use and that aversion, like when you say, when I say retirement to people, people think of death. When retirement, yeah. you know, and it's really, if you turn 50, it means you have a second life if you look at 100 as being the goal. You've got exactly. a second life. And then instead of waiting till you get sick, you know, the healthcare system, you take care of yourself now. It saves you money later, right? You don't eat junk food. You, you know, do you exactly. do all the right things? Um, and, and all of these preventative ways of living can dial, dial everybody into the right way. And, you know, I, I was, I'm a singer-songwriter, and I... Right, and you're very good, by the way. Oh, thank you, my dear. I heard your... I heard your uh, seat, well, you you uh, gave me that, gave both of us. George hasn't had a chance to listen, but it's just beautiful, oh. beautiful writing, too. Thank you. Well, that came from when I was uh, living on the road in faith, walking down the road in white robe and bare feet, and just like a sannyasi in India or the disciples 2,000 years ago, you know, take huh? no shoes, no script, and go in faith. Mm-hmm. So I got blessed with a lot of songs, Um but but I was, I was saying when I went went to Nashville and I was told the same thing you know you're not blonde you're not twenty you'll never make it and that obsession with <laughs> age right if you're uh-huh. not twenty you're not blonde you're not going to make it is that what what do you what is this America what is this youth obsession that America seems to have what do you think about that well you know I think. Um we began as a nation, we began as a series of disconnected or dislocated people, you know. Uh, The original waves of immigration that came to the United States came from places where people could not find adequate uh, shelter, clothing, uh, or freedoms uh, in their environment. So they picked up uh, sometimes alone, sometimes just as couples, sometimes couples with younger kids. Um, but they left behind their tradition. They left behind the older members of their society. And so they came to this new world. And so from the beginning, we were somewhat dislocated from previous generations. And unfortunately, um, uh, 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 that is really a role that we've been acting out. Now, once we, once our um, 
ancestors got here, then they established community, they, they established geography, families began to have multiple generations in geography, they honored their elders, they took care of their elders. And then, of course, this new uh, uh, geographical dispersion came about where people left their communities and struck out for um, uh, new territory. And so now what we have, especially in the Anglo portion of American society, we have uh, fragmented core family structures. Um, and, uh, uh, and then when we added in, uh, at the end of the Second War, the obsession with consumerism, you know, that was a conscious choice, as you know, when uh, people in the Eisenhower administration looked at the war machine that had been created and the economic structure, they said to themselves, well, how are we going to use this so that we don't go into financial depression and recession? And the answer was, well, let's make a hell of a lot of things and sell them, you know. <laughs> Get uh, everybody right. working. Right. And so uh, you add consumerism to that, and, of course, you don't want to sell things to discerning buyers. You want to sell them to inexperienced buyers. You want to create a lot of illusions that make younger people who don't have a lot of experience say, oh, wow, I want one of those. Um, And so all of that adds up to a society that doesn't want to look at itself, that doesn't want to think about aging. uh, Mm -hmm. And with it, uh, we have substantial problems, not the least of which is the marginalization of older Americans. And, you know, it's... it's, uh we're we're not putting youth down. It's wonderful to celebrate all the gifts of youth. And uh, we just believe the trouble comes when we, we think that that's the only cycle of life that's worth celebrating. You know, um, and unfortunately, we, as you started to say, Chris, we're, we're really taught, I think the media seduces us so strongly with the consumerism uh, into resisting aging and all of its physical signs and pushing our feelings down and trying to fix ourselves, make ourselves into some younger version or to look at younger versions of ourselves as good, you know. Yeah. So okay. this is all an illusion. So isn't it, you know, no wonder that we come to reject ourselves rather than accept the beauty of the present where we are. And none of that is going to change until each one of us changes the standard that we measure aging by. And if we measure it by youth, it's never going to change. We have to look at different values, you know, right. different ways right. of, of uh, incorporating the quality of a person's character into that definition, you know. Exactly. Uh, and some things like that, you know, the joy and aliveness that somebody demonstrates, the inspiration they give, you know, how they walk their talk, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and it is like putting on another pair of glasses because mm-hmm. people's priorities, like you were saying, they they got all turned upside down, so they're chasing the shiny objects, and because they have that empty part in their heart, they think, well, the yeah. new car or the new house or five kids is going to fill them up, right? And they haven't gotten their spiritual connection, and they're running around buying all these things, going into debt. Mm-hmm. So is this the reason you created Age Nation? It's one of the reasons. One of them. Yeah, it is. Um, one of the reasons is also to uh, encourage people to uh, see. We believe that each one of us comes in to this physical plane, and we come in with uh, a core purpose, a reason for being, um, and that uh, our lives are the opportunity, the school in which we go uh, to be able to uh, understand and then manifest this dream, this mission that each of us has. Um, we uh, phrase it as, you know, a unique in the song of life that each of us has to contribute or to sing. Um, and so Age Nation is about uh, encouraging people to remember what is that note? What is the distinct and unique contribution that I'm here to make and how can I make it? Uh, in indigenous societies, when a child was born, some of the elders would gather, and their um, purpose was to identify what the gift was that that child was bringing to that tribe or culture. 
And then their job was to help mentor and guide that child in the development of that gift. So in that way, society was diverse and, and people's uniqueness and skills were really celebrated. By comparison, Chris, we live at a time when a child is born, and from the beginning, the first thing we do is we teach them how to mimic other children, how to mimic trends. And uh, we don't want our children to stand out, to be different, because different means strange, different means uh, any number of things in American society. We want our children to fit in. And so that means they set aside their uniqueness and their dreams in order to pursue practical, uh, productive uh, 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 careers that keep them within the lines. They make them good, um, good fodder for uh, an industrial, manufacturing, productive society. But meanwhile beating in their hearts is this message. Sometimes it's faint and almost not discernible, and sometimes it just whacks the heck out of people saying, hey, pay attention to me. And what that message is, this is what you're here to do. Right. So Age Nation is about helping people remember that it's never too late or too soon to live your dreams. Mm Uh, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. And the other, I, I just want to add a personal note. You know, when I um, turned 50, I went into what I call uh, my own perfect storm of transition, where everything seemed to happen at once. I, I turned 50. I'm the oldest of eight kids and very close to my mother, who had recently passed away. Um, she was like my best friend at the time. And I got into a new marriage, moved to a new state, um, and then immediately was officially declared menopausal. (laughs) So I began mourning the first half of my life. And from that came some real gifts. You know, there's always gold at the bottom of the river. And what I discovered was amazing. I I reached into my Native American heritage, uh, partially on my father's side, and Also, every book I could get my hands on about this unique energy, this unique time of life where I found out with indigenous cultures it's about wisdom and honor and leaving a legacy, and it's nothing that like what I was raised to believe and be afraid of, and that it's all over when I'm 50 or 60. This is a very remarkable time of life, so I got very geared up around it, and some of that passion has gone towards Age, Age Nation as well because I believe everybody needs to see how valuable they are and why they're here. And this is the time to do it as you get older. It's so rich at this time. Well, you know, for everybody that's just joining and listening to us now, you are listening to Ready, Set, Retire. And I'm Chris Miller. I'm your host of the show and the author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future, and this is a really good time. George and CD, uh, Sedina, you can tell everybody how they can get this really good book because I really think this is very valuable and let them know where they can go to get it. Thanks, Chris. Um, well, uh, Amazon.com, of course, uh, both the hardcover and Kindle versions. Um, they can get it at Barnes & Noble and at all independent bookstores. Um, and if uh, your local bookstore doesn't happen to carry it, give them heck and tell them they should be carrying it because it's a great book. Uh, we just became, got bestseller status with Amazon. So um, uh, they can also go to our book site, which is uh, com, and they can read reviews and uh, listen to interviews and excerpts and all kinds of great stuff. And uh, there are a number of things that in the book that refer people to the site so that they can go and listen to guided imagery and get tips and tools from Sedina on her self-skills and get 101 reasons uh, and ways to live more consciously and age wisely, and all that's free. So 
www.donotgoquietlythebook. And, of course, on agenation.com, uh, there's a ton of stuff for people to do and explore and investigate. There's a great store with some of our other books and products and online programs. And Sedina will tell you briefly, she just created a just a valuable, remarkable new DVD called PEP, and uh, I would strongly advise anyone who wants to lead a more <laughs> impassioned life to uh, get a chance to get a copy of that. So, uh, Sedina, PEP? Yeah, PEP is just, it's a personal wellness program, and um, I've distilled it from since 1990, been doing my own personal practice. It's incredibly de-aging and healing um, and beautifying from the inside out. So um, that's being streamed now live on Gaim TV, but you can also get it at um, agenation.com. And we invite you to go to Age Nation and become a part of this revolution that we were talking about with Chris. It's it's your time of life, and um, this this site keeps growing. We invite your you know your comments. Um, in fact, Chris is probably going to be doing a a regular article for us uh, on the site, an Age Nation post, and. So come on board and come out of the closet of aging. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're Get excited. All, it is excited. I, I actually feel younger than I did when I was young. You know, <laughs> yeah, me too. Isn't that neat? With the excitement <laughs> funny. Of what, this new life and, and all the unlimited possibilities that we have, especially uh, people are joining together, like two or more gathered. There's such a synergy that's happening uh-huh. to create and recreate it. Really exciting. Um, why do you think it's so important? And I'd like to hear your your point of view of living consciously and aging wisely. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I'm going up to Northern California to give a talk next week, and the subtitle for the talk is Putting the Chicken Back in the Soup, you know. Um, and what I believe is that uh, we are living in a world that has dealt uh, with a lot of distillations of authentic things. So if you happen to be someone that isn't, uh, um, you know, a, a vegetarian or, a, uh, or, or has dietary restrictions and you like chicken soup, chicken soup works better when you've got chicken in it, you know. Uh, right. Not when it has just some synthetic combinations that are called chicken soup. And consciousness for us is like that chicken uh, or wonderful vegetables that are in the soup. They, it, it adds essence and flavor and nutritional value and all the rest of it. And uh, that, in the end, is what we believe society needs to do. We have to reinvest consciousness into everything that we do because without it, uh, it's uh, like the menu instead of the meal. It's empty. It's meaningless unless our reason for doing things is to learn and elevate our consciousness and the consciousness of people that we engage with. Right, right. Well, that was that was my grandmother's always her secret recipe when you got a cold, right, was the chicken soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, my grandmother and my mother. Right. And I still do it. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm vegetarian. I'm a vegan now, but I do the okay. you know lots of greens and vegetables. But the point is adding the value, right? Adding yeah. that missing ingredients that they've taken out of and as they processed everything, and you know to how it's so shallow. So um, right, and you know, excuse me, Chris. Really, I think what what is so crucial to us is that George. Um, made reference to it earlier about the note in the song of life, is that every one of us has a certain consciousness that we're here to bring. We're, as Michael Mead says, we're seated when we're born with, with a destiny. We come in with this song thing, and the world is going to miss that if we don't do it. And that's what the consciousness part's about, just being aware. And there's so many ways of doing it, you know, just being close to the solitude of nature, being in silence to recenter and and reset the rhythm of the mind, the body, and the spirit, and just a simple act of breathing and becoming aware that we're in the present moment. And we're here, we're alive, and all is really well. And it's 
you know, only our thoughts that get us in trouble in the past or the future. Yeah. So we have we have really a responsibility. It's truly our responsibility. We don't get to put our heads in the sand, or we can, and we're going to really pay the price. Exactly. You know, I mean, we're all given those decisions, and sometimes, you know, I feel that I have a responsibility, not to others, of what I've been given to share. And if I don't do that and I just want to go do something for myself, I'm not going to be filled and I won't do my mission and everybody mm-hmm. misses out. So, well, not only someone, Chris, but, but I think when we do not follow that call and complete our mission, we're the ones that miss out, you know. Right, And right. there's a dramatic increase in both depression and addiction amongst aging Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And uh, part of the the challenge with depression and with addiction, a lot of that addiction is to prescription drugs because, mm-hmm. you know, scripts are written like they were candy uh, right. cones. Uh, but the, 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 the depression, I think, comes from a level of sadness of knowing that we're not answering the call. We're not living that note, singing it in the world. Right. And that's our job. Um, that's our job. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you encourage the reader to live life they were born to live, right? And, yes. you know, you're blessed to know. A lot of people, they don't know how to know, well, is that voice really God or is that my own head or what am I supposed to do or what am I, you know... How do, how do people know what this life is? Well, I think I think one of the real clues is thinking back to those things that made you happy. Um, you know, as human beings, we were not built to min- to minimize our childhood traits, but we're built to maximize them. And so, ask yourself, what made me happy when I was a child? What are what are some of those? things that I did that just opened my heart and gave me a lot of joy, that's your ticket. And it's it's just a matter of, of checking in with yourself and, and noticing through the day, through the week or the month, what was it about that day or that week that, where did I get my biggest joy? What are the things that turn me on in life? And that's the clue to what your dream is all about and why you're here. And maybe if you're older, you know, sometimes people get depressed because they think, well, I mean, how do I start all of this? How do I get this going again? It's too much work or whatever. And we've many times given up our dream to have kids or have a career. So perhaps there's something about that that you can continue to do. You could be a consultant because, you know, these companies are crazy, throwing away the, the wisdom and experience of, a, of their they're older uh, employees. Um, you could become a consultant, or you could just drop that and do something like painting or music or dance. Again, think of what made you happy when you were a kid. Or volunteer. You might open the paper and say, oh, that sounds interesting. I find that I just say a little prayer and ask, and then I just go about my day and I trust that I'm going to get the answer. So I might open a paper and there it is. Oh, that class looks interesting, you know, or open a book and you'll get an answer. It's just a matter of being open and willing and trusting that you're going to be shown if you're going to look at a new way to be rather than have to have it pre-prescribed. And you have to take risks, you know. You have to, um, you know, you go out on a given day and you're walking in a given direction and you're walking into the wind and you're cold right? And maybe you're on the shady side of the street. So you look across the street and the sun's across the street. So you walk across the street and you find that by moving in that direction, you move more easily and you move into the warmth. So uh, experimentation gives you the things that Sedina has been talking about. You, you, something you loved as a child, so you experiment a little bit. You're willing to make mistakes. You're willing to stumble a little bit uh, right. in order to get to the next level. And then all of a sudden you find, as she says, that the world starts supporting you. They give you, you get some hints, but you have to have the courage to follow the hints and to experiment. Uh, uh, you're not going to find a fully formed dream already accomplished that you can step into. You know? you're, n- right. you're going to have to do some 
sweat equity. You're going to have to invest some time and some energy. But once you start investing, you start getting a return. You can feel it inside of yourself. There's a quickening of your heart races a little bit. You get excited. You find yourself suddenly smiling like a fool when you're by yourself, and you don't even know why, except what you're doing is making you happy. That's always the clue. What, what is it that makes you happy? Do you like to play with kids? Do you, you know, you're being with your grandchildren. Well, maybe it's just one person at a time. I have a friend who says, I'm a peacemaker one person at a time. It, it doesn't have to be some huge, grandiose um, goal. It can just be making somebody happy during the day. And, you know, we have one of the greatest assets of all of those, us in the second half of life, we have a second chance. Right. You know, in all human history, the average lifespan was something like 19 years of old, which is barely a chance to grow old once. So those of us, us in the second half of life, um, we're looking at lifespans that reach into the 90s and beyond. You know, right. we're the only generation that gets another 40, 50 years. So what are we going to do with it? Exactly. Um, and again, I, I think it's very optimistic. Um, but we do need to look at what the reality is of our planet, and perhaps each one of us can find some way every day to do something responsibly to get our world back on track. And maybe that's what you do for this time of your life. It would be a great uh, charge to take up because the world really needs it. And amazing how how it doesn't take, you know, just a few people that can really make a change. Mm-hmm. and. and and how important it is, like you were saying, too, um, about what George was saying, you know, being, having the courage, going in faith, and trusting that what you have need of will be there and it will all show up when you need it. Mm-hmm. That is, that's an exciting way to live. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, you really, you really encourage people to live this life. What, what do you think the, well, the role of wellness plays in all of this, and, and what can we do to lead healthier lives? Well, I think health... When it comes to health, we're talking about mind, body, spirit, you know. Right. And I think uh, each of our jobs is to do what we need to do to enhance and protect the physical instrument that's called our body uh, with uh, a diet that supports us and energizes us and exercise that keeps us limber and and uh, as physically fit as possible, um, from a mental standpoint, we have to clean up some of the interior environment, those places where we're holding uh, negative thoughts and limited thoughts, when we're um, uh, dealing with outmoded beliefs that aren't serving us anymore, uh, the incompletes that Sedina was talking about. A lot of us lug these incompletes around with us like excess baggage that weigh us down, uh, uh, things where we've we're holding resentments and guilt against ourselves and against resentments against others. You know, that's part of the mental dance. And then there's the, the spiritual dance where we, uh, uh, and Sedina gave us some great clues before about uh, being in nature, being alone, uh, being in quiet, reflection, prayer, meditation. Uh, in fact, just being in touch with our own wisdom. So uh, when we're doing all of those things to make mind, body, and spirit um, um, uh, as strong and vibrant as we can, then we certainly improve the quality of our lives. And you know, Chris, a simple gesture can be the beginning of a lifelong practice of self-care and self-love. We can begin now wherever we are uh, to, to move every day, to find, to breathe, to find time every day, to just come back into the present moment and, and just the simple act of breathing, pausing between moments of our day and taking a breath and checking in with our body. And the body will tell us what we need. As George said, we're a whole system, mind, body, emotion, spirit. It will tell us if we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, what it, what it is we need if we listen. And then we can follow that. And we, we have our own guidance. We have our own wisdom. But again, the no, it's a noisy world we live in. So we have to find time every day to touch into our wisdom and be a little quiet and listen. 
And every single moment is a choice. We're either aging or we're de-aging. It's not, you know, a one-way street. It's every moment is a choice. Am I going to eat something that's healthy or eat something that's, you know, sweet? Am I... Am I going to walk or am I going to watch TV? It's always an, it's an ongoing, moment-by-moment moment choice to be alive, well, whole, delivered and free in each moment. Absolutely. You're so right. You know, you guys, you have a number of life tools through the books. Maybe you could give us a few examples of those. Mm. Help everybody out. Now, the life tool is a great uh, ending process of, of the book along with the life achievements and uh, it's a way to integrate the chapter that you've just read. So, for an example, uh, uh-huh. at the end of each chapter, there's a life rule. Uh, uh, this one happens to be a quote from George Burns, and it says, young, old, just words. Um, we also, in, at the end of each chapter, celebrate a life achievement. In this instance, there's a, there was a French woman, uh, Jean-Louis uh, Clamont is her, was her name. She lived to be 122 years and 164 days. She lived longer than any other person who had been documented up until that point, and she was still riding her bicycle at 100 years of age. That's an example of a life achievement. Right. And then a life tool, um, uh, there is one rule, we value above many others to thine own self be true. So please consider ways in which you can be more true to yourself today. What can you do to express more of what is distinct, authentic, and original within you so that you can contribute to making your own life and the lives of those around you more joyful, engaging, and rewarding? So every chapter ends with those kind, those three elements, and there are hundreds of them throughout the book. Uh, It is, for that reason, Chris, a very accessible practical and valuable book because it uh it really is like a conversation with a friend um and you get some good advice and recommendations that you can and then you get an opportunity to try those on that's what the life tool is really about we also have uh some wonderful stories throughout the book we have hundreds of quotes and then uh, some very inspiring stories from people that are famous and some not so famous there's uh, one from my great-grandmother who escaped from the tyranny of Russia and always encouraged me to be my best. And even though I was always in trouble, she used to say, Sedina, you're, you're a good girl, you know. And it's amazing how, how much that helped me through my life. So we, we add these stories and, and many others to encourage everyone to look at who were the role models, who are the people that made you feel like you're okay and gave you uh, – encouragement to to keep going so it's it's meant to be very inspiring and to bring each one of us to a point in our lives where we can take action from our hearts and really be the best we can be at any age right that's that that's that's lovely and i'm i'm so inspired to be talking to you guys because we're just really you know talking about a lot of the same things and mm-hmm. different tools on how to do that you know, unfortunately, we are getting close to the end here of our time. We've hardly even drilled down into this, which is a good thing because that means we'll get to do it again and <laughs> so many other things that we can really talk about here. Um, but maybe you could give everybody a little cherry on the top, a little final party note for everybody, love note. Well, my love note would be trust yourself, you know, Uh I believe we come into life with all of the wisdom and access we require and all of the good support and advice we need if we're willing to listen, to be quiet, turn down the outside noise of the world, and pay attention and trust ourselves. I think that uh, in a world that bombards us all of the time with other people's opinions and beliefs and whatnot, uh, knowing is better than believing, and listening to ourselves is better than listening to the world. Mm. Right. Yeah. I would say, I love the quote, I think it's anonymous, never fear growing old. There are many who have never had the privilege. Uh, and it is just a privilege to be alive and an opportunity to be all we can be at any age. 
you know, live the life we were born to live with dignity and honor and share our incomparable experience and wisdom. And that is really, truly what our world needs right now. It's craving each one of our wisdom. So give it from whatever point you're at and have compassion for yourself, kindness and compassion for the journey. Well, that's th- thank you both. You guys really, it's been a, an extreme a thrilling honor to be with you both and, oh. and share share this you know these really this is so important this i mean this can change the world the way that people are thinking the way they live their lives and what they eat and say and talk and do and their <laughs> spirit and all of the good stuff so um and again anybody i would encourage you to reach out and get this book because it's really awesome and um, you can get it on Amazon or uh, Barnes and Noble, or just go to the website agenation.com and check into everything they've got there. Don't do not go quietly. A guide to living consciously and aging wisely for people who weren't born yesterday. And for anybody that wants to connect with me, again, my name is Chris Miller, and I'm the author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Retirement. Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. And my website is www.readyforpretirement.com. That's R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-P-R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T.com. I invite any questions, um, any topics you want to have on the show, just feel free to reach out to me and we will put it together for you. Again, George and Sedina, I am so honored to have you guys here and we'll look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, thank you. Thank we you look very forward much. to it, too. Thank you so much, Chris, for what you're doing, too, yeah. and uh, for just such a great interview. Thank you. Thank you both, and many blessings to you all. Yeah, many blessings, blessings to you. and to all everyone right. listening. Bye. All right. Bye. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Out you can't take the curve at 85 My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions raced across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? can be a voice of inspiration and my story finds you well cause when the curtain falls there ain't no second chances and you don't want to ask yourself did I live did I love did I matter to someone did I give everything I had to give did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted?
surrounded by the things I never did Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? Did I matter?